Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 281 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you are doing well and having a good day. So today's podcast session is... I don't know, just like such a full circle moment. My guest today is Dr. Jennifer Casey from redirectioncounseling.com. And Jen and I are really good friends. Jen and I first met in Nashville while I was starting my internship back in 2009. We'll mention this uh, story on the actual interview, but Jen and I ended up being neighbors and I remember going on my internship interview and, you know, just meeting a bunch of awesome colleagues. But Jen really stood out to me because there was just a, a comfort that I felt with her during the internship interview. And it's just been really nice to have a connection with her. And Jen has been a mentor, a friend. You know, as I mentioned, my, my Christian faith informs a lot of how I try to lead and run business and all of things. And, and Jen has just been a wonderful sister in, in, in the faith as well. And Jen's here to talk about making a slow and intentional transition to full-time private practice. So Jen actually started as a psychologist at the University Counseling Center and then transitioned to a large healthcare system. And in the process of this, she was having a small private practice just kind of on the side and over the past, over the course of this decade, Jen has learned a ton of lessons. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about some of the logical steps that Jen took when she decided to make this full-time transition to private practice. You're going to hear about Jen's famous board that she put together and some of the things that she put on this board that can give you some good ideas in terms of what to think about. And then we're going to kind of dive into some of the hard moments in the journey, some of the things that she's realized along the way. And then we're going to wrap up with a simple question of the thing that Jen has cherished the most on building the private practice in a slow and intentional manner. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are 
a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Hey, Jen, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, thanks for having me this morning. It is definitely an honor to be here. I am just, I was telling Susan, and I I mentioned this to you, uh, I was telling Susan last night, guess what, Jen's coming on the podcast. You have been such a wonderful friend, mentor, just, you know, like sister, you're, you know, I know that we consider each other like at a sibling level, and I'm just so grateful for you and just the ways that, you know, friendship and just the ways that you have helped my life professionally and personally. And I'm, I'm grateful that you're with us. Well, thank you so much, Melvin. That means a lot. And, you know, I feel likewise, I remember us, our first meeting 10, <laughs> gosh, 10 years ago now, as we were, you were starting internship and I was starting postdoc and we were just very green in the profession. So I appreciate having just a friend in you and also a mentor. And I'm like I told you before, I'm so proud of you and just where your career has taken you and what you've done with it. Uh, Speaking of that first meeting, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I think you do. Like, I think (laughs) my dad was so excited to like recognize you because we didn't know this at the time, but Jen and I literally lived like one apartment building away from each other. Yes. And I think my dad was so happy because (laughs) he was like, oh my gosh, at least my son is going to be okay. He knows someone here. Exactly. And I was excited because I was like, I remember you. And it also helps when you see another person of color and you're like, okay, I am not alone in this setting. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, You've had quite a journey in this past 10 years of, you know, since we were back at Vandy doing internship and postdoc and doing our thing and and getting trained and, you know, and uh, getting licensed and all of these things. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you know, you have made quite a transition from just traditional employment to now being mm-hmm. in private practice. But it's been a slow and steady process for you. I know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just start by asking, what was that like first logical business step that you took when you realized that you eventually wanted to be in private practice? Yes, Melvin. And I would be remiss if I didn't preface by saying, you know, I had started this journey exactly 10 years ago by doing my private practice part-time. And so then my first step looked a lot different than what it did going into full-time practice. Again, like I mentioned, we were fresh out of grad school. So I think all I could think about was, you know, start the business bank account and start, you know, and get business cards. But this time it felt different. I, I, there was more of a seriousness around it. And so actually I'm going to show you this without making a lot of noise. Probably the first practical step was I created, and I'm showing a, a prop here, was I took a whiteboard and wrote down and color-coded my short and long-term goals. Um, so that was kind of the nerd in me. <laughs> shining through. Um, But I wanted to be really intentional about everything that I needed to do. And so what that did was help me kind of get organized and prioritize the necessary steps, but also hold me accountable. And so I needed something visual that I could look at 
every day to remind me of what I was working towards. And so literally that was probably within the first 48 hours of deciding to take the step. And then within that first week, I had went ahead and applied for my LLC and got that established as well as, you know, tapped into my resources and got my website updated and finalized, set up a new business account with my new business name because something that I did during that time was I rebranded. And part of that was because I was in a new place and I wanted that shift in my direction to be reflected in the name of my company. And so that was another first step. Um, And then I did other things that maybe weren't as, I guess, sexy. So, you know, I downloaded QuickBooks and started categorizing my expenses. I, you know, updated my profile on Psychology Today Therapist Directory and then started researching therapist directories for advertising that I felt really passionate about in the sense of wanting to be kind of more niched or to help certain communities. So the Therapy for Black Girls Therapist Directory was another one that I, you know, put my profile on and literally those two and word of mouth have been huge in in terms of referrals and getting started. Man, you, you said some just really good stuff. So, you know, I'm going to ask you about this. So what's the the color-coded whiteboard? So with goals, this is like business goals, life goals, like what, what, what actually went on? There? Yeah. So I don't know that the colors represent anything. Mm-hmm. I wish I had been that deep, but one, I just wanted it to stand out. So what I have on here was kind of rebranding was one color and... So that encompassed like the business name, launching the website, how to drive traffic to the website. Another kind of section or color-coded section was services. And so that was where I kind of played with, okay, well, what do I want to offer? And so that's where I have like the individual couples and adolescent therapy coaching professionals, consulting with professionals, and then offering um, trainings or presentations on issues of mental health or diversity, and really even dreaming a little bigger in terms of, you know, one day maybe creating, I don't know, a conference or a weekend retreat of some sort and really thinking about pricing. I then had a section for logistics. So looking at office space, health insurance, as you know, um, you know, setting up IRAs and other, you know, investment (laughs) things, you know, just anything that I had, you know, gleaned from other folks who had gone before me. So I just was really intentional about writing all that down so that as time went on, I could literally kind of like check those things off as I either, you know, you know, got signed up with simple practice or, you know, did my research on different health insurance premiums and what seemed to match my needs financially and and personally. And then I have this little section that's like down the road. So things that I might consider, you know, if I have the resources or the extra time, And so it's funny because at one point I was like, oh, I'm going to erase this whiteboard because I can use it for something else. And I actually, I look at it. I come in my office every day 
and look at this whiteboard because I'm like, no, that is a reminder of what I've achieved and what I'm still working on. It's almost, uh, it's your North star for sure. Yeah. But it's also like uh, your gratitude sort of wall or gratitude thing, right? Absolutely. How far you've come. Yes. I wanted to ask you like a really random question. So, you know, when, when you were on, and I believe you started a small practice when on internship, right? Because mm-hmm, I know, mm-hmm. right? How do you think your mindset changed from when you were like 10 years ago to now mm-hmm. when you were actually like thinking about it? Because it just seems so much more strategic and well thought out. And mm-hmm. I was just kind of curious about that. Yeah. So I think a big mindset change was over time building the confidence of knowing that I had not only been, you know, doing this work and had built a strong, you know, community of other professionals where if I needed to consult with someone, I could, I could ask questions. Whereas at that time, I still was very new to Nashville. I was very new in the profession in the sense of doing the business side of things. And I think the other difference was there's been more time just learning and asking questions of people. So, and seeing more people, I think, who look like me do this, make that step. And so, you know, one of the things I know I had been intentional about doing was, you know, attending webinars and asking questions of my peers, whether they were psychologists or social workers or, you know, licensed mental health counselors, like, you know, what's been your experience? What have been your lessons learned? And something from a webinar that actually stood out to me, and it was on being a therapeneur. So being a therapist and entrepreneur. And one of the the lessons that the, you know, kind of facilitator was, was naming was to, you know, look at your community beyond just the scope of the discipline you're working in. And so what that did was it showed me oh yeah, like the hairdresser that I go to every week or every other week is an entrepreneur. I can ask her questions about how did you do your health insurance? How did you do the investment piece? Or guess what? My dad is a self-employed contractor. And so it was one of those things where I was like, oh yeah, I've kind of been primed and, and to do this, make this step my entire life but really didn't give myself the permission to expand and grow. And I think the other change in mindset was letting go of the fear of this, like of not being secure. So I think, and that's, that's something I know you and I, Melvin, we talked about so much was the thing that kept me kind of working in a system, whether it was a college counseling set center setting or healthcare setting, um, was this sense of security, right? You know, you got a steady paycheck, you've got your benefits, you've got paid leave. And I just remembered being so almost paralyzed by this thought that like, if I don't work, I don't eat. And I had convinced myself, and that is so counter (laughs) to who I am as a woman of faith and as somebody who loves trying new things. And so I think that was the biggest shift was, you know, especially during a pandemic year where probably the scariest thing that could happen (laughs) to an entire world happened. And I was like, you know, 
it's time to do some things different. It's time to hit reset. And, you know, I just was kind of like, you know, it's time to bet on myself and, and take this step. And if it works great. And if not, guess what? I learned something and I can go in a different direction. So I yeah. think that's the change. Yeah. I mean, it's like so well said. I, I think this is one of the things that I've realized. And, and I, I think there's always that pride part of us. So that ego part of us that, that battles this, but I think one of the most important like business and life lessons I've learned is the more you do the business journey, the more you realize how little, you know, and how much yes. there is to know. Uh-huh. So like, just, I think one of the hardest things has been like for me to recognize that. And then just to have the humility to ask people like, mm-hmm. Hey, like ask people the really dumb questions, you know, like, how did you manage to figure out health insurance? Or, you know, this was a recent thing I had to do, which was like, you ask somebody like, in terms of setting up like retirement kind of things, you know, for the business, right? What are some options out there? And, and how do I do this in a strategic way? And I like found answers. And I was like, I had no idea, like, you know, this, for example, like I found out about a solo 401k, which is like crazy, you know? And yeah, it's, it's just, it is crazy how business growth and humility all kind of go together, you know? Absolutely. Just shifting a little bit, take us inside a a hard moment as you were holding down, you know, the full-time job and building out the practice. What was that moment and and what did you learn from it? Yeah. So First, I want to say I'm a firm believer we learn a lot from the no's in life as much as we learn from our yeses. And while I was maintaining a full-time job and doing private practice, I found myself being really torn between, and I know we talked about this earlier, but chasing the like proverbial carrot. So oftentimes grad school has primed us to, to do more, be more, achieve more. And I had fallen into that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there was a level of, I think, validation that I got from, you know, being an overachiever and and striving for more. But I always kind of kept coming back to private practice. Like no matter what, on a day off, I was working my private practice. On the weekends, I was working my private practice. And so it was interesting because I had, you know, continued to push myself towards all these like opportunities and at each turn, what, and there were a lot of no's along the way, but there was also this recognition of like not fitting. And I kept trying to force myself to fit. And so finally, as luck would have it, <laughs> I got a seat at the table, so to speak, and realized I did not want to be there and found myself experiencing the worst imposter syndrome I had ever felt in my life, the worst anxiety I had ever felt, and just overall lack of peace. And I realized, I was like, oh shoot, I'm stuck. Like I've got to see this through because I had put myself out there and, you know, didn't want to be seen as a quitter. And so, you know, worked through it. Thankfully, it was a, a temporary experience and was able, even though it was a no, it was the 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 last of a string of 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 I think discoveries and realizations that finally kind of gave me that push that I needed 
to make this decision to to take a different direction and to to actually be more authentic to myself because I think that was the piece that I recognized was the more I chased this carrot, the farther away I got from like my goals and myself and my values. And again, that was kind of my personal discovery. I believe wholeheartedly that had I wanted to, you know, stay in that eventually something would have clicked. But I also think there's a way in which we operate sometimes. And and I tell my clients this, we'll operate in the world of shoulds. And I really do think I was pursuing things because I thought that's what I should do. I had been, you know, I'm starting mid-career, so I should be at this certain level or I should be doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, if it's not really making you happy and you're not finding meaning in it, it's not going to bring you peace. And so I think that's what was the hard moment was, was realizing that. Yeah. I think that's a hard realization at any age, you know, but I think it's like particularly hard when we are like more established and and then making sort of these like significant pivots, you know? Yes. You said one of the things that you said was like, there was a sense like you didn't fit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, tell us a little bit more about that. Like, how did you know? Yeah. So, and I think this showed up across multiple settings as well. At times there would be a sense, you know, one place that I felt like there was not a fit was representation. Um, so looking around and being like, well, wait a minute, where are the other like diverse voices who could bring a different perspective to the table, which that also kind of adds a burden to want to stay in that role because you're like, oh, well, I am that representation. So let me, let me show up in that way. I think the other space was, I, I think at my core, and I know at my core, I love the clinical work. And so there's a way in which, particularly if you're looking at transitioning into more administrative roles, your customer, so to speak, is not the client. It is perhaps the employees, or it is perhaps the, you know, the larger system, whoever that entails. And so one of the things I think that I struggled with was I was always kind of coming back to a very client-centered place, and it was hard to integrate those two. And they're, you know, certainly learned a lot, but I think that was the piece was, you know, whenever I came back to the clinical work and serving people, that's where I found my joy as opposed to, you know, looking at spreadsheets or, you know, kind of looking at the numbers, so to speak, or the productivity levels. And I think that was the piece, if I had to be really honest with myself, that was hard to kind of shift about myself. Was I doing it? Yes. However, internally, it did not feel congruent with kind of, you know, how I am. And I also think a level of of just being creative and having certain kind of freedom to approach even the clinical work, how you want to. Um, I know a lot of settings are moving towards, you know, certain styles of treatment or, or it has to have be certain amount of sessions. And so I just found that, you know, there's a way in which that at times didn't feel congruent with 
kind of how I even was trained in my master's and my doctoral program. So there were just those aha moments of, of feeling like, you know, I may not be a fit and that's okay. I'm enough, whether I fit or not, and I can do this somewhere else. So, yeah. Um, Just the way that you speak about it and knowing the journey that you have been on, like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. obviously this is an audio interview, but if you guys can feel it's like, I'm smiling because I, (laughs) I, I've like, you know, and I mean, I've seen like a small glimpse of it to see this growth in you. Mm-hmm. This is something, I mean, you and I have talked privately about this, but it's it's a tension, I think, and I think we both struggle with, which is the world, you know, colleagues, other, whatever it is, right? Like says, this is what success is, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we come to a place where we realize, you know what, like, ultimately, I have to find what my definition of success is. And it's not always yes. focused on money, right? Like, it's, right. it could be like, pace and lifestyle and all Mm -hmm. of those things, right? Mm -hmm. So when those two things come together, there's, you know, obviously like a tension that can happen. So how do you find contentment to just be you and to like walk in your truth when, you know, even just practically, like, let's say, Mm -hmm. you know, you reach out to a colleague and they're doing this, 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 and there's a part of you, you're like, oh, I always wanted to do that, you know? Uh Uh-huh. How do you, how do you navigate that? You know, it's, I think I have to practice what I preach. You know, I often would tell my trainees and supervisees or anybody I I mentored, you have your whole life to work. And I would tell anyone that, and I'm like, so that means you have your entire life to do all of these experiences. And I have felt that pressure because they're, you know, I'm still kind of early in the full-time portion of this. And, you know, there are opportunities that have presented themselves and I'm like, well, maybe I should be growing faster or maybe I, and I want to enjoy where I'm at each step of the way in terms of having the freedom over my schedule, being able to, you know, schedule vacation without having to ask permission, you know, being able to decide which clients, you know, are a good fit. You know, oftentimes when you're in different settings, you can't decide that for yourself. And so there's a way in which I really want to be present with being and learning and just being congruent with my values. And I, you know, I tell my clients this, I'm like, you're going to get a human when you meet with me, because that is what I would want and what I have in my own therapy. And so I think that's how I'm trying to like pace myself. And, and, you know, I think I've shared, you know, I'm a a person of faith, a woman of faith. And so I will be very intentional about, you know, finding time to pray, finding time in my devotionals to, you know, ensure that, like you said, I'm staying with my true North because I don't want to get off track and, chase again, another, you know, carrot that may or may not be quote unquote success. And so I do think it is, I agree with you. I think success is relative, you know, and, and can be symbolized by a lot of different things. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well said. I think one thing that's also just been helpful for me is surrounding myself with people who are doing or who have done the, Mm -hmm. the business or the lifestyle that I want. You know, yes, 
Mm-hmm. That way, yeah, I continue to have like that mentorship, you know, and then there's a, a check there because, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a struggle for many of us. We're highly creative and ambitious and there's always mm-hmm. that next thing that it's so easy yes. to convince ourselves like, oh, I can squeeze that in, you know, or I can launch this or do this. Absolutely. Oh. Yes. Jen, I wanted to ask you a final question. I can't believe our time flew. I know. What do you most cherish about building the practice slowly and intentionally? Yes. So I think one, I I cherish the, the freedom, the creativity, and the sense of empowerment. Because I think by taking the time that I did take, I was able to really build solid community, both, you know, clinically, but also professionally. And, and there's, like you said, there's a community of mentors. I know I reached out to one of our previous bosses, you know, from when we worked together, who has helped tremendously and has been a a cheerleader over along the way. But I also know that and trust that like, I've got a team of people out there that I can come to and ask questions of and, and consult with at any point. And I cherish like being able to wake up every day and know like, oh yeah, I am working in my gifting. I am working, I'm doing meaningful, purposeful work that's congruent and consistent with my values. And that feels like a true fit. So those have probably been the, the main kind of three things when I think about what I cherish that I wake up and feel gratitude for every day. Awesome. Jen, I'm, I'm grateful for our time together. Uh, where can we learn more about you and the work that you're doing in the world? Yes. So you can go to my website at redirectioncounseling.com and you can also um, see my therapy profile on Psychology Today Therapist Directory, as well as the Therapy for Black Girls Therapist Directory, which will also link you to my website. So I appreciate this platform this morning. And Melvin, I cherish you and appreciate what you're doing, not only as a friend, but just as a colleague and for our our field and profession. So thank you for, for having this. Uh, thanks, Jenna. It really means a lot to me, especially coming from you. Um, thank you for this time and uh, really grateful that we could have it. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Jennifer Casey from redirectioncounseling.com. This was a, a great and I'm just so honored and happy to have had this conversation. I was thinking about this conversation and one of the biggest things that I took away was just the importance of not basing business success just on revenue generation. I know that that's an important quality, obviously, but I think the other factors that, you know, that Jen alluded to and that I've realized even just building out selling the couches, there should be other factors such as like your own mental health, the pace of life that you want what other responsibilities you have. And you should in totality take all of those kind of things and build something that is purposeful and and meaningful to you. We were talking about this actually before the podcast, but I found myself recently reading Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week, rereading it again. And one of the ideas behind in that book is the idea of new retirement versus old retirement. So old retirement makes this argument that we work, 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 and we get to retirement age and we enjoy our life. 
Whereas the idea of new retirement makes the argument that instead of doing that, what would it be like to optimize our life schedule so that as we build our businesses, we are actually doing some of those things that we want to do in retirement so that when we actually do get to retirement, then we have a schedule that's optimized and that that we can truly enjoy. Show notes to today's episode can be found over at signthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 281. Before, again, as we wrap up, uh, as if you have been thinking about launching an online course and just need some support thinking through it, be sure to check out the free online course guide I put together over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. We uh, got a lot of feedback from the STC community, even in creating this guide. And one of the really cool sections in the guide is we took the 10 most common questions that, that our colleagues had when it came to building an online course. For example, you know, what's like the most essential piece of gear and software that I need? And what I did was I recorded like little videos. And so literally when you go to the online course guide and you click on it, a video pops up and you can watch the video. I'm getting nerdly excited about this, but again, you can check it out over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.